You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. I am Lisa Cherney, and I'm so grateful to have this platform to have real conversations about real stuff that not everyone talks about. And today I want to spend a little time here talking about a a very serious, I think, I don't know that there's I guess there's lots of topics that get are more serious, but it has to do with death. So what's worse than that, right? <laughs> Here, here's the question I, I want to truly ask you. And obviously <laughs> your answer is anonymous because you're not here to raise your hand or, or anything, but I'm, I'm for sure happy to hear from you if you want to talk about this. My question is, have you ever thought about ending your life? Now, in starting to do this show, I already felt like I was the recipient of confessions and that people really told me all the things. And the more that I got real and came out and all the stuff in the last few years, the more safety that created for other people to tell me some of their secrets. I have to tell you though, that the thing that I've learned the most about in hosting the show and hearing the stories is suicide. It is actually not something that I have had personal experience with, both within my own being. It's, it's not a place that I went. I, I, I'm kind of surprised now when I look back on my stories around the, the anguish I've had around you know, my body and food and weight and you know, all kinds of other you know, things that have happened to me. And I, I would think that there would be plenty of opportunity for suicidal ideation or having those thoughts, but it's just not where I necessarily went. And it, it, I've, what I've learned is just how freaking common it is. And I, I probably at least half of the guests of the 50 plus that I've had up to this point, uh, I, don't know how many, I don't know how many shows we'll have it when we air this, but at least half have shared at some point serious contemplation about it, thoughts about it, and attempts. So if this 
conversation is helping you, then I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm, I really feel like anything is game when you are in the pursuit to be unapologetic, to be authentic, to be real, especially with the context that we have here, which is that the more real that we are and the more unapologetic that we are, the more people we can help with our mission, right? So I, I thought I would just take a minute before introducing today's guest, which is very, her story is relevant to this conversation about suicide. I just wanted to point out some of the other past episodes, some of them are obvious in the title and some are not, where the guest really talks um, in detail um, about that moment where they contemplated death, attempted suicide, didn't want to be here. So we have a Jay Rook, and he talks about a very low moment after his restaurant failed. Um, we have Anna Reichenbach, who's the uh, hoop dancing expert, and her episode is called From Dancing with Hoops and Wishing for Death to Self-Love Advocate. And I hope you can really hear the after story for all of these people is so inspiring. And I still hold true to my belief that everything that happens to us and the things that create our life story are all on purpose when we are, I mean, they're all on purpose, period, but especially profound when we are a purpose-driven, mission-driven, heart-centered um, business owner who is helping people because of what we went through. It is so all on purpose. Um, a couple more, just to make sure if you're wanting to dive into this topic or have a reason to want to dive into the topic or hear more stories, um, Maribel Jimenez, her episode is called From Overdose to Launching a Movement, and she's actually speaking about her son's suicide attempt. And she's very eloquent about what she learned and how she got to know more about the condition that is led to her son wanting to take his life. And then two more episodes that are more from the beginning of the show. We have Scott Sargent from Paralyzed Olympic Athlete to Suicide Prevention Speaker. Now, this one is a bit of a twist to his story that shocks many people, but uh, he's now an expert at it. And I've had many conversations with him personally, actually, about that time in his life. And then we have another man, Tristan Truscott, from Considering His Exit, which is suicide, to mind body breakthrough expert. This man was trapped in his, trapped in his body for five years um, with excruciating pain and is now a beautiful just taekwondo expert and helps people with that. So that is to say that feeling that low or making that decision or having that temptation is, is so common. So if, if that has been in your experience um, and you haven't shared it, just really know that you're not alone. And also uh, thank you for being here. And I'm so grateful to those experts on the show that I've interviewed that didn't do it, you know, or somehow were saved from that attempt and, and are here now to tell the story because those stories are extraordinarily profound and just are so life affirming and really help me even, you know, when I'm in those dark times, just to give me hope. And I, I don't get as you know, dark as I have in, you know, my prior lives, um, you know, in my 20s particularly. But I just, you know, I just felt like I wanted to spend a little time on the introduction to this episode to talk a bit more about suicide and to invite you, of course, if 
that is in your experience, just to know you're not alone, but also to know that it doesn't need to be that way. So today's guest, um, Diane Forrester, is amazing. She's amazing, and she tried to commit suicide. She is a best-selling author, um, award-winning inventor, which is so cool. And we do a bonus segment for the GFR Squad membership community about how her she went from concept to QVC, which is so fascinating because my family and I are Shark Tank junkies, and so I'm just was super fascinated to hear that story. She is a TV host and podcaster. She have a, has a show called I Have Today with Diane Forrester, which I've been on. When it was, it's a lovely show, beautiful, beautifully put together. She's also the mom of twins. That's a fun fact. Lives in San Diego. And she has a former career in advertising and TV sales with uh, Disney and ABC. She's a, a really um, beautiful soul. And uh, another one that I'm so glad was not successful um, with her suicide attempts so, because her work is just so profound. She's such a light. She has a lot to share around her, her journey with her, her relationship, her, her marriage at the time, and challenges with infertility, um, her mom being sick, like just the, sort of the crucible that led to where she was. And what I love is one of the turning points of her story is in 2005 on her kids, her twins, last day of high school. It was her last day in corporate America, and she moved also within the week from Chicago to San Diego to start her life over, you know, to, to, to reinvent herself, which she now helps other people with. So I can't wait for you to meet her. It's a great conversation. I learned a lot, and she is a delight. So without further ado, Diane Forrester. Diane Forrester, welcome to the GFR Show. Hey, Lisa, how are you? So great to be here. I'm so happy to be here with you. So, so at the time that we're recording this, I did a live, your show live yesterday, and that was super fun. And I was just telling you, it's such a class act and beautiful studio. And so thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> thank you so much for being there. You were an awesome guest. We had such a great conversation, such a good show. So yeah, and I, I hope everyone tunes into it. So you were, you were amazing. Yeah, yeah, me too. And we'll make sure we'll put a link to your show, me on your show in our show notes. Perfect. We'll like cross-pollinate. Yes. <laughs> okay, Sounds so great. I was super excited to, to have this space with you because, you know, this is where I really get to know you um, yeah. and, you know, talk about your struggle with a purpose story. And we call them GFR wormholes here because the definition of the GFR wormhole is that it is all on purpose. We just don't know it yet when we're in it. <laughs> and so, right. so the audience may be in their wormhole going, what the F is happening? I do not have, I cannot make sense of this, but I know that one of the ways that our show is serving mission-based entrepreneurs is it gives them hope yes. that whatever it is they're going through. So right. thank you in advance for whatever you're, you're willing to share, you're going to share around your journey because your journey has popped you out to a beautiful after of uh, the space that you're holding for people with your I Have Today you know, mission. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited about that. You have an event probably that's coming up and may have already left, but may happen again. That is about the Have It All Life. I love that title because it is one of those like, 
like it's a myth, but it's not, but it depends on how you define it. So I'm sure I just, my New York accent just came through. I don't know why. You inspired my New York accent. <laughs> Maybe because I'm from New York too. I don't think we knew that about each other. I don't think other. we did. Okay. Wow. So I yeah. must hear a little bit in you. That must be because I pick it up. <laughs> yeah. So, so your after picture is beautiful. And I always, I think it's fun to show people we weren't always this way. You know? That's right. That's right. And I love you and what you do. I love the whole Get Fucking Real brand. And it is so true. And, you know, in my book, I'm I'm an open book. I write candidly what happened to me because if you don't express the truth and if you're not real, then people can't really relate to you. And you and I are just like everybody else. We all go through our shit. We all go through our stuff. And so keeping it real lets them know, okay, she's just like me. And if this happened to her and now she's where she is now, then that's possible for me. And it does give them hope. So yeah. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. And you were saying that you don't have an opportunity or really spend a ton of time talking about like where you came from because you're so over it, you know, which I totally get, you know, and we, and we do, you know, we move on and we heal that. And, and, you know, in my coaching with mission-based people, I sometimes have to drop them back into where they came from so they can relate, just so they can create language and get to a place where they are talking more about it. So people see, and they can relate, just like you said, it's just, it's, it's important. So I'm excited for people to get to know you more hear even more aspects of your, you know, where you came from story. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, we talked, you know, when we were in our green room about some new things that you're, you know, becoming becoming more relevant for you to share. And so um, I'm excited about that for you and for our listeners. Good. Good. I'm excited too. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's start with, so we kind of know where like crescendo of where we're going and your GFR, really the GFR moment. Can you, but we want, I want to know, can you paint us a picture of where you were before that? Because like what success, like what you thought success was and like what you, you know, what life looked like for you before sort of that wake up call, if you will. Mm. Oh, that's a good question. So I think for me in thinking about and reflecting on it right now, I sort of always had this vision and idea of what I wanted my life to look like or what I thought it should look like. And um, here's something that's really telling. You know, I, uh, my mom and dad got divorced very late in life. You know, I think it was, they were 30 years married. And I know you and I didn't even talk about this, but let me tap on this because this is going to make a lot of sense to people. But my, they struggled in their relationship. My parents loved each other very much. They weren't in love with each other. And so there were a few times over my, in, during my upbringing where I had, uh, you know, my, they separated and got back together and separated and got back together. But I never witnessed any demonstrative love towards each other, to each other. And so I grew up thinking that's what marriage looked like. So I attracted a man very similar in a lot of ways to that scenario. And so 
I married a man who was a good provider, like my dad was a great provider. And we ended up loving each other, but not being in love with each other. So there was a lot of like checking things off the list in my life. Like, okay, this happened. All right. I, I stumbled into an av- a career in advertising, but had my foot in the door and loved it. And so I was going with it. And then, you know, wanted to move into sales and that happened. And we got married and got the house. And then we wanted to have kids and it was a massive struggle there. I had tons of fertility issues, but anyway, what was happening is I was, I was in what I would now, what I do call the when then syndrome, which is, well, when this happens, then I'll be happy. And I kept putting off my happiness, expecting things to get better and they weren't getting better. So leading up to my big GFR moment was, which was a suicide attempt, which I'll, you know, share what happened to me, was a lot of unhappiness, deep levels of unhappiness within myself and a lack of of self-love at the core of it. So there was just, you know, now, of course, you know, I'm, you know, in my 50s and can look back on this and I can, of course, connect all the dots and see how all of that served me. But when you're in it and living through it, you can't, you can't make that sense, if that makes sense. Yes. You're too close to it. It's, yeah. That fish and water thing is such a great metaphor because, (laughs) you, you know, you just, you just don't know something else. Right. Right. And so that really was kind of how my life was. So on one hand of my life, I was always very personable and a powerful manifester. Like I would speak things and I would get them and, and just a lot of magic in, on, on one hand. And then on the other hand, I had this other side of me that had this internal struggle thing going on where I never felt good enough. I never felt worthy enough. And so both of those things were happening at the same time. And so leading up to the, the suicide attempt was just being in a marriage and a relationship with a man who was narcissistic and um, just, he was a good provider. This is the thing. There was this, this, this image around him because he was smart and he was successful and he was a good provider and in many ways a good guy. And he will say and has said it himself, he was a terrible husband, terrible husband. And so, and I'm sure there are many reasons why I wasn't a good wife, but I always walked into life like Pollyanna, like glass half full. And I, I responded and reacted to my environment. And I'm also so energy sensitive and empath and all those things. I hate, you you know, just classifying myself, but I am am an assimilator. So I would just take on what was ever happening, what was happening around me and to me. And I don't know where you want me to go with this, like, like how far into this, because I, I could talk for two hours about this, but I just, I wanted this divine loving relationship and I wasn't in a divine loving relationship. And so I kept when thening it and putting my needs on the back burner and just, Oh, I don't need it. And got to the point where I 
I just pretended I didn't need it anymore. And so life events were occurring where, you know, we moved in together and then we got married and then we wanted to start having a family while my mom got cancer and she got colon cancer and ultimately passed away from that. And it was just a horrific time in my life. And it was, it was shortly after the wedding while we were trying to have kids. I'm just remembering all this now. Wow. The whole thing is coming back to me. And so I was enveloped in that. I was literally going to and from the hospital for fertility treatments and procedures. And then I had just started my job at ABC television. So I was dealing with learning a you know, new company and new stations and relationships, clients. And I was flying to LA because I was living in Chicago to help care for my mother. And this whole big like wow. perfect storm thing was going on. And so then after my mother passed away and I was I mean, feverishly trying to conceive a child while my mother was still alive. I wanted that more than anything in this world. And, um, And it ultimately did not happen. And she passed away. And then the month after she died, I got pregnant with my twins. Wow. Which was such a bittersweet experience because I was mourning the loss of her so much and yet at the same time had this new exciting thing to look forward to. And I didn't find out until the, a month later that I was actually having twins. I thought I was just pregnant with one child. So anyway, I give birth to my amazing babies and um, you know that pregnancy was a journey in itself. You know, went through hell to conceive them and went through hell to carry them, went through hell to birth them, but you know, full-term amazing boy-girl twins. And so, my life with my marriage then became all about the kids. So even further did my needs as a woman get pushed on the back burner. So it was just not even, not even in the rear view mirror, like it wasn't even there. And so life became all about the kids. And I just kept getting um, more depressed, more exhausted, felt lonely and had a lot of wonderful things happening too. I don't want to make it all bleak. There was a lot of magic in there with, you know, the kids and everything. But in this particular area of my life, it was what I really struggled with. The thing is, you can't live like that indefinitely. You cannot put your needs as a, as a woman and as a person on the back burner like that. And let me so, ask, you, let me ask yeah. you something. So you talk about having a lack of self-love and never feeling good enough. Where do you mm-hmm. think that came from? Um, I think it came from, um, the, well, at the, at the root, right, to go as back far as I can go, knowing who I am and what I know now and all the work I've done, definitely stemmed from um, seeing how my father was with my mother because I know that's how my mother felt. So I picked up on it. And um, in fact, I heard her even say once to me, this is so cool, Lisa, you're taking me back places. That happens. (laughs) Um, I've heard that before. (laughs) uh, That I even heard her say once that she, you know, she felt like she was a dog. You know, she didn't feel beautiful at all. So I think, of course, I, you know, a piece of that got ingrained in me. And um, seeing their dynamic, you know, he and my dad, greatest guy in the world. Everyone's, to, you know, today and for years, it says, God, it's good to be Jack because he's such right. a great jolly I guy, know. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but his upbringing 
they grew up in a very strict German household and there was no demonstrating of love. Never did he hear the words, I love you. So he didn't express them. In fact, the first time he told me that he loved me, I was 24 years old. Wow. I was living in my apartment in Venice, California. I almost hit the floor. That's like, that's the peak emotional experience it was for me. It was so wow. shocking to hear those words. So witnessing that uh, and not experiencing the love, you know, the, the word love, hearing I love you and seeing that had a profound effect on my level of self-love. For totally. sure. It's amazing how we can hear one thing one time from somebody that in that moment is influential and it completely changes the course of our lives. Yeah. And we... We, we tie ourselves up in a knot based on that one thing that we hear that it's just, it's, it's really fascinating to me. You know, one of my a prior guests uh, is a writer talking about how she never wrote fiction because one person one time who, who was mentoring her as a writer said, don't ever tell anybody that you want to write fiction. And then she never wrote fiction, like completely oh, shut down that whole, you know, part of herself. It's in, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating how we, how we do that. So thank you yeah. for, for, for answering that and, and um, sharing that. And so got to this place where you're just, your whole life was about, you know, the, the twins the and, and it just sort of the twins arriving, just put a, a nice cherry on the, let me not focus on myself, you know, yes. in my life thing. Right. And then, you know, from what I understand with infertility, it's, there's so much emphasis on it that when they arrive, you just feel like, well, I better be grateful. You know, it's like, you can't even complain at all, even though there's a right. ton to complain about when you right. have new babies, you know, yeah. um, I bet you that that didn't help. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I didn't know anything different than, than having twins because oh I cannot that's even all imagine. I knew. I'm an extremely, like my sisters call me dianal because I'm so anal and organized. <laughs> But so I was very, I, and it was truly the thing that I wanted more than anything else in this world was to be a mom. I, it really was. And well, so, that was your ultimate um, when then syndrome. Um, yes. Right. Coming, yeah. Coming in. So I really, it was exhausting, but it was so exhilarating at the same time. And they were, God bless me with good babies. So I was very, very blessed. Now I'm not negating it, of course. It's like giving birth, you know, after you forget it. Of course, there was a lot in there. But it was easy to focus on them because it was easy to love them and receive their love back. That yes. was amazing. Yes, because that wasn't happening in the marriage. So it's, it's right. you know, it's, it's, it is easy to focus on getting that from your kids. Yes. yes. Yeah, and so that went along and went along. And then when right around then when they hit the tween years was when things started to change because their personalities were coming out. They were becoming more um, independent, more defiant. And this Right man, around where my kid is. <laughs> yeah. 14. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so while this man um, was, you know, my former husband was a good provider and stuff, and had deferred to me for, you know, the care of children, now all of a sudden didn't have my back when it came to like the, the you know, being the, the tough parent when you have to say no, like, and when no is hard and when you're trying to correct and you're trying to raise decent 
People. You know, civil <laughs> citizens of the world, right? And so a lot of stuff really started illuminating for me. And so that was, you know, that piece of it happened. And at the same time, unbeknownst to me, his affair started. So it was, again, like, I feel like these perfect storms in my life dropped in at different times in my life. So, so that's when things got really even worse for me because now all my attention had been, you know, in my career and everything too, but that piece of it shifted and they no longer needed their mommy the way they needed her before. And so my level of deep level of no self-love and levels of depression really started getting dialed, dialed way, way up. Yeah. And, and you I didn't, was, and just to clarify for everybody, you didn't know that he was, ha- that the fa- affair no. started then. No. But, but that, uh, but I'm sure now looking back, you could feel even more separation occurring or some oh, other, yeah. you know, dynamic. Yeah, there happening. were different things that happened, just things that I know we're going to get into your commandments because uh, my commandment is um, trust yourself, trust your gut. Because there were plenty of times that I was not listening to my intuition and not trusting my gut. And trust for me was the, was the thing that I needed to learn more than anything else. And it was trust of self first. Like, you got to trust yourself. And you got to trust this. And so there were, there were the, you know, all these hints and clues. And, you know, the term is gaslighting. I was, you know, he was gaslighting me. And, and I literally thought I was going crazy. So I was drinking way too much wine and eating way too much food and shopping too much and just doing anything I could to numb the pain or fill that void. And um, it was, it was really a shit storm. It just was, there was no, there's no other way to say it, that it was just really a challenging time. And so I, I hit a breaking moment and I never even thought about committing suicide, but that night, all I wanted to do was end the pain, the excruciating pain. I just couldn't deal with it any longer. So I got to the darkest place you could get to. And it's so funny, you know, looking, you know, somebody on the outside of the house looking in would say, oh my God, there's such a beautiful family and it's such a beautiful home. And they, you know, have this beautiful life. And the story on the inside was very, very different. Yes. And I know that is so true for so many people. Yes. But, and I, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that you had never thought about that before. One thing that I have learned a lot from doing the show is about suicide because it's not something that I had personal experience with either my, myself or anybody in my family. And so, and I'm just learning how freaking common it is. Like extraordinary, like half our guests could probably would have shared that it's a, a, in the part of their story. And so, and, and it, I think it's an interesting nuance that it wasn't something that you had thought about before it could happen to you even if you've never thought about that before it could it, right. it could happen to you and i don't think i've ever you know you just think oh i'm not that type of person but i i bet you would have said the same thing i'm not that type of person mm-hmm. uh, but then you had that moment that one day you were sharing with me you know after barbecue with the you know neighbors or whatever and yeah. you know you found yourself you know in the bathroom and i'll let you tell you know, the, the story. Yeah, so, so what happened is we left the event and uh, yeah, we were at a friend's house. There were a bunch of families there. We were having fun. We were eating, drinking sangria. Kids are running around. And when we got in the car to go home and the kids were with us, 
the fighting started. And when I got home, I literally just snapped. I was, I was, you know, part of it was because I was drinking too and emotional, but the, the part of it was, I just can't take this anymore. You know, I just can't take it anymore because he's so, and you know, and I want to preface this by saying I am nowhere near this person anymore. I've forgiven it and moved on. And it is possible for you too, if you're listening to this or watching this to get to that place where you're so empowered and you've released it because I'm definitely there. And it's interesting to go back to this, this place because now I'm telling it as, as a different person. He was so skilled at chipping away at me because of his style of communication and, and the narcissism. And, and, uh, and, and, and it was a very cutting, patronizing way with a smile on his face, you know, in a soft way. And like, oh, I'm not really calling you stupid. I'm just telling you this. Well, no, you really just called me stupid, right? That kind of things. Yeah. And even if I would acquiesce and say, yeah, you're, you're right, you're right, I'm sorry, you know, he would still continue to come at me. And so that was sort of the dynamic going on that night. And I just, I just couldn't take it. And so I went in the bathroom and I locked the door and I had two full bottles of prescription pain medication sitting in my drawer from a surgery I had the year before to remove part of my colon because the stress of my life was literally killing me. And my mother died of colon cancer and I was heading down that path. And the pills were sitting in there because I couldn't take them because they made me sick. And I don't know why I didn't throw them out, but they were there. And I grabbed them and I dumped both bottles in my hand and I had this big pile of pills in my hand and I was ready. I was totally ready. I was hysterically crying. And this force came and like karate chopped my arm. Now, I don't know how spiritual your audience is and, or how woo-woo they are, but I know it was my mother because my mother is this powerful angel in my life. It's amazing. And a voice screamed in my ear, you are not ending your life this way. You need to go get help so that you can tell your story and you can help others. And, and, and it said, you have so much more to do. Like, no, no, no. And I, I just threw up my hands and said, well, you need to show me the way because I don't know how, I don't know what to do. And so I, you know, I spent a few more minutes in there crying, cleaned up the mess, flushed the pills, dried my tears. And I went out and I kissed my kids goodnight. And the next day uh, I reached out for help and I, I left a message for a therapist because it was a Sunday. And I said, uh, I need help. I'm changing my life. And so that started the next phase of what was to come for me. And do you want me to keep going with what, with, with what happened there? Yeah. You know, so first, so yes. And uh, pause to, to just thank, just to appreciate that you didn't do it. I'm really glad yeah. you didn't do it and that you're here and thank, thank you, you, mom. Yeah. And however spiritual our listeners are or not, or woo are or not does not matter because right. you know, that's what you believe happened. And that's so powerful. Yeah. And yeah. And it just like, it, I just like to pause there because I think so much of us could relate to that level of pain. Um, and not everybody could relate to the, to that moment of clarity of I'm turning this shit around like that, 
that, you know, that the fire or whatever it is, that yeah. something that, that strikes us. And so, yeah, I think it is profound. And I think we do have those moments, you know, where whatever forces, you know, cause us to, to completely change course. So you completely change course mm-hmm. and started therapy. And then, and then you were sharing with me that it wasn't until six months into the therapy that you got clarity about what was really going on in your marriage. And yes. like that, that opened up a whole sort of another level of learning to trust yourself, right? That commandment seven, trust yourself, trust your gut. And that the confession question with that is what is my intuition telling me? What does my heart say? And right. so, you know, I feel like that's when that really kicked in for you at a new level, you know, mm-hmm. six months into your, you know, turnaround into- story. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It was, you know, the, the, um, the attempt was June 25th, 2011, and the, you know, the oh my God moment was Thanksgiving weekend. So it was just, yeah, about five, six months into it. And I had been going to therapy and I was seeing her weekly. And it's so interesting to me because I found that talk therapy wasn't working for me. It just wasn't. I was kept revisiting over and over again, you know, the, the latest week's occurrence or the history, and I wasn't healing or getting better, and I wasn't getting out. That was the big thing. I was still afraid to, to, get, out of the, to get out of the marriage. You know, what was my life going to look like? You know, how are the kids going to, you know, all those what-if questions, right? Yes. So Thanksgiving weekend was a, you know, a tradition where we decorated the, the Christmas tree and did all that. And it just so happened that um, I discovered he, my, my um, former husband and my son were out. My daughter and I were home alone and we were decorating the house. And I went on a mission to find an extension cord because I needed an extra one. And I discovered that he was having an affair. I mean, everything was, was right there. And fr- it was literally right in front of my face. It was just amazing how it all happened. But yeah, and I actually do write about this in my book. But yeah, I was looked in one of his desk drawers and I found a bottle of perfume that wasn't mine and, and kind of did a double take and then shut the drawer. I was like, no. And then I went, wait a minute, went back to the drawer and went, okay. And then started doing a little digging and went, it was all there. And so in that moment, I was enraged. I was so mad because I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, but he kept, you know, he was so good at the gaslighting thing. So I just had that moment that was, talk about a GFR moment where I had to sit in his office for a few minutes and like compose myself while my daughter's waiting for me downstairs. I, you know, had to get my shit together. I had to take her to meet my best friend because she was going to take my daughter with her daughter and do a sleepover. And I couldn't tell my best friend this big, huge aha that just happened. I just couldn't do it. And then I got in the car and burst into tears. And I called both my sisters who were away for Thanksgiving weekend. I called my therapist who was away. Like I had no one to share this with. And so uh, I did end up talking to, my, to a good friend about it and sharing it. And she wanted to pick me up right away. And she said, I'm coming over and picking you up. And I said, no, you can't. I, I, I need to figure this out. And so that was Saturday by Monday, Friday or Saturday. I don't remember. I, it was Saturday. It was definitely Saturday. On Monday, I walked into my boss's office. 
office with a file like two inches thick of copies I made of all the proof that I had. And I burst into tears and she said, what's going on? I said, I, I found out that my husband's having an affair on me and I, I, I need to go see an attorney. She's like, what are you doing here? And I said, I need to use the copier. <laughs> but I need to go see an attorney. And so I went into, I can do this and I can take care of me. I was so empowered. I was so enraged, but I got my power back. That was the gift I needed. It was like the kick in the butt I yeah. needed in that moment. And everything shifted after that. Everything. We, you know, faked it through the holidays with the kids on January 2nd. We sat them down to dinner. I'm, I'm sorry, on the 1st, we sat down to dinner. He moved out on the 2nd and it started shifting things. And then my, and then my real healing started to begin. And I, I probably had a pity party for about a month. You know, why me? Why this? You know, what now I have to tell the world, you know, all of that stuff. And in February, I remember, I had already started a meditation practice and started some, you know, some self-help and spiritual practices that were, were serving me and helping me. And I sat down on the couch to do a meditation, and I was guided to do an I Forgive You chant. And so I just sat on the couch for 20 straight minutes with my eyes closed chanting, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you over and over and over again. And it was truly the most healing cathartic thing I've ever experienced. I was forgiving myself Yourself. first and foremost, yeah. even forgiving him and forgiving everyone of everything at any time in my entire life. Just all these memories came to me and through me. And when I stood up from that chant, I, that's, that was such an illuminating moment. I said, wait a minute, I did this. I'm the one responsible for the condition of my life, you know? While all of these things were happening, I was the enabler. I allowed it. I didn't love myself enough. I didn't set healthy, healthy boundaries. I let my dreams go by the wayside, you know? And I just said, no more. I am declaring right now I want an extraordinary life and I'm going to do everything I can to get it. And that started open me, opening me up to really starting to do what I'm doing now, developing the practices and the processes and the mindset work and everything else that I'm doing. But I, apparently I needed to have that, that, you know, two GFR moments that were, you know, close to close, so close together because it was all right there in front of me. And, um, and it woke me up. And it shook me to the core and it changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I feel like in that moment with the, I forgive you, just like purging the victimness from you, yeah. right? Like purging that, you know, I, you know, like that helplessness that we, that we all sometimes feel and just mm -hmm. like, no, no, right. <laughs> no more of that. So how long before you quit your job? and started your business. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? So that, uh, so the split up was in January, 2012. And that February chance was, uh, I mean, that chance of, I forgive you was in February. Then the next year in, in August of 2013 was when I woke up with the poem I have today in my head. So I'd been, I had been writing a lot and creating a lot. You know, I'm already a creator and a writer anyway, but I was writing poems and stories and creating all kinds of stuff. 
But this particular morning, I woke up with it in my head and it, like it pulled me out of bed. I had to write it down quickly. And when I finished writing it, I looked down at it and I said, whoa, this is way more than a poem. <laughs> this is a movement. This is what God was talking about in the bathroom two years ago. So I connected all the dots and it, it all sort of made sense. And so I could see I have today in my mind, I could see the production company and I could see me, I could see my book. I could see me speaking. I could see, you know, I could see it. And I was like, I'm supposed to help other women who don't know their self-worth discover their true divinity, power, and purpose. Because if I was living in this ho-hum hell, how many other women are living like this? And so that was the day the idea was born. So August of 2013. And I made the decision in May of 2015 to reinvent my life. So I decided my kid's last day of high school was my last day in corporate America. I remember you sharing that now when we first met. I forgot about that. Yes. Yes. Your kid's last day of high school was your last day in corporate America. Yes. 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 And it was, um, you know, it was um, the end of May of 2015. And um, that was on a Friday. On Sunday, they graduated. You know, on Monday, I put the house up for sale. So that summer was like, woo, up and down, up and down, up and down so much between getting them off to college and selling the childhood home and doing all of that. So I moved to, from Chicago to San Diego, Labor Day weekend of 2015. So it, was, it took about um, three months to do it. And so it's almost, it's almost five years since that happened. And, you know, honestly, Lisa, I really, I mean, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have anything. I mean, I had my, my kitchen product, the Spifter, which I invented. And I thought, oh, I'll build this business up. I know. And, I was reading your bio. I was like, inventor? How cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was that experience. Um, that was a few years before the suicide attempt. I came up with this idea for this kitchen product, and I saw it through. And it was it's a, it's it's a it's a separate show all in of itself. Really, that experience. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Sh- yeah, we're my family is Shark Tankaholics, and oh. totally fascinated by the by that aspect. Maybe we'll put that for the GFR squad. Uh, oh, our members yeah. oh, will yeah. will will tell the story of that. That's that's inventing something and bringing that. They'll really love that story because it and I went from concept to QVC and how that whole thing happened. Yes. Oh my gosh. So anyway, I forgot where I was. Oh, so I moved in Labor Day weekend, and then I really just you know I took about a month or two just to just decompress because I had never done that in my entire life. I'd been working since I was 19 years old. And then I just started networking and going to different events and found, you know, I uh, had a coach and then transitioned into group coaching. And I've always had a coach since 2012, even before I reinvented my life. Good for I you. Cause, cause yeah. people often with jobs don't connect with investing in themselves cause they just think oh. their company should do it or whatever. Yeah. Oh uh, no, 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 no. That's, uh, I will tell you, that's probably why I've been, had such, you know, leaps, so right. many leaps. Because I've, I've always had support. And so it, it just happened. So then a year later, so in 2016, my book came out. I was uh, certified as a coach. In 2017, I started, I started really coaching. 
and speaking and started my first show, which was called Love It, Thank It, Bring It, which was webinar-based. And, and then it's just been evolving ever since, you know, and then created the uh, I Have Today with Diane Forster in May of 2018. And so we're uh, a little over two years into this show. It's, yeah. it's, it's an amazing, it's, thank you for, the, and I love the specificity of the years and I'm writing it all down. And I love the, the love that you, that your kid's last day of high school was your last day in corporate America and then, you know, moving and all that. So you're a completely different person than, you know, than the person you were talking about in the beginning of your story. And, and now you're, purpose is so clear, you know, like, you know, when you got that message, you know, in the bathroom to, you know, to put down the pills and you're not ending it this way. It's not the end of your, you know, this is not the end of your story. It's supposed to help people. Yeah. Do you feel like that, that that was sort of a, like a guiding light through, you know, from that moment in 2011 through, you know, writing the book, do you feel like thousand percent? Totally. It's never, I mean, I, I speak it so clearly because it came to me so clearly. And when it, when it clicks and it makes sense, you know, I love when those moments happen where I get it and then shh, I can literally do, 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 put all the dots back, connect them all. I go, oh my God, you've been speaking to me all along. You've been speaking to me all along and you've been guiding me all along and I'm going to pay more attention. God, spirit, mom, whom, guardian angel, spirit guide, whoever it is. Yeah. I get it. I, I, intuition, my higher self, I get it. So yes, was definitely a guiding light. Yeah. Where do you today still get tripped up with not listening? This is, I'm, this is, I, I'm totally uh, uh, making this self-serving because this is, you know, we talked a little bit about this, you know, that I, I feel like I'm raising the bar even more every day with how much I'm going to listen and trust. So where do you still find yourself or what is the latest area that you still find yourself getting tripped up where maybe you're not listening, you're hesitating or questioning your intuition or guidance? Well, I'm going to keep it real. I'm in a really good headspace right now where I can, I can say, I don't, I can't think of anything right now that I trust that everything that's going right and not going right is, is in divine order in this moment, which is a rarity because I'm, I'm rarely ever here. I don't think I've ever been in the place where I am right at this moment. Let me, let me be honest with you, but I will tell you, I have not been in this space long and the areas that have tripped me up a lot over the five years, let me, let me connect all sure. that is, fears of uh, not being capable enough, like what am I doing, you know, while struggling with, oh, I can do this, Let me, I'll figure this out, and then realizing N -n -n I'm not figuring this out, so much money worry, so much money worry. I mean, Me too. I, I've had, and it's still, it's actually not right now, it's I'm feeling okay with it now, me too, um, but that is an Achilles heel of mine in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. When I get to that place about money, I always have to say to myself, Diane, you've always had all that you need. You've had a meal in front of you. You've never skipped one. You've always had a bed to sleep in. 
You have everything you need right now. You have everything you need right now. So even I do that because of course money is, is the number one thing that people worry about. It's 80% of what I deal with helping people get over. And of course I have to do my own work. And I've been a, I'm a student of life anyway. I'm always seeking to learn more and grow more. And I've really immersed myself in having a better relationship with money and my, my relationship to it and what it's all for and what it's about and l- releasing those things that happened to me in my life and, and uh, experiences that made me feel I'm not worthy of having a lot of money or, you know, the, the, you know, the ceiling cap. And, you know, um, I had, I remember vividly an experience when I was eight years old, I lost a library book from the public library and I had to pay $3 for the lost book. And my dad sat me down at the kitchen table with three $1 bills in his hand. And he said, you see this? It's like throwing it in the trash and he threw them in the garbage. And so what do you think I'd anchored in me that day? Wow. I throw away money. I'm not good with money, right? So that's, these are things, that, this is how much work I've done. I needed to find out where is this coming from anyway. So, it, and it's still a struggle. I would say of all the things, it's probably money is still the number one thing that comes and creeps in, you know? And I also worked in sales for many, many years. Right. And sales, <laughs> selling other people's stuff, right? <laughs> selling other people's stuff, which I was really good at. I've sold over $100 million in advertising. I, I was really, really good at it. And, and I'm really good at enrollment in my own stuff because I believe in it so much. But sales programs you that you're only as good as your last order. So you can have that, you can have that big woohoo, that win, but literally the next day or sometimes the next hour, they're going, all right, well, what else is in the pipeline? What else you got working on? So, so we get this program like that it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Right? So even when you are receiving money and it's coming in and it's flowing in, there's still that piece that goes, it's not enough. Where's, and when, you know, where's the next What's the next coming from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So that is, but right now I have to say that I am definitely at a place and it's held me up in my business. I mean, I, I, I believe that I would be so much further along if I didn't have those money hangups at times going, mm, I, can't, I can't afford to do that now. Now I know better that I make decisions from where I am going and where I see the business, not where I am. So as soon as I do that, everything else shifts and just the abundance comes, flows in and, you know, it's great. Yeah. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, my listeners know that I am super committed to doing my GFR work in all the ways that that shows up because I know it's fuels what I, you know, it fuels my mission. It fuels my willingness to, you know, I just did a podcast interview and he was talking about, well, you know, naming your show with the F word in it. And how was that for you? And was that a challenge? And I'm like, hell yeah, it was, you know, I had nine months of, you know, birthing this thing and enduring the evolution that I needed to endure to hold space for, you know, what this is. And I see you doing 
the same thing, you know, ho- yeah. d- you know, doing your own work so that you can hold a more certain, a more certain driven space, you know, for the people that you're meant to help. So mm-hmm. I thank mm-hmm. you for that. I thank you for, for doing your work so that you can continue to express, you know, your mission and, and who you are. And it's been a delight to get to know you and like, you're the real deal. You know, I only interview the real deal. So that my listeners know that, <laughs> but um, so let's see. Um, so for like a final question here, I'm going to give you a choice, a favorite quote and why, or if you knew then what you know now, what advice you would give to yourself? Okay. Oh gosh. I'm going to give you my quote because I, this is the quote that I live by and um, it's by Wayne Dyer. Love him. Who actually, actually I think is quoting Rumi. So, um, but I learned it from Wayne, so I always credit him. Have a mind that's open to everything, but attached to nothing. And I just love that because it just leaves the space for unlimited, infinite miracles to come in. And yet when you're not attached to the outcome, you can, you know, you can experience even more. So that is definitely my favorite quote. Beautiful. Thank you Mm -hmm. for that. All right. Well, thank you, Diane Forrester, for showing up the beautiful light that you are and keeping it real and and sharing your story. I'm I'm super grateful. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. You're very welcome. Well, that was a fun conversation. And Diane has a gift for our audience, as all of our guests do. Really good stuff. This is a free video training called Discover the Simple Three-Step Blueprint to Creating a Have-It-All Life. You know, it's funny. If I hadn't heard her story and I heard about this video training, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like GFR people, like have-it-all life. Like I would just, I would feel like it's inauthentic and empty and just again, how much I love the GFR wormhole as a credential and how much I trust, much more I trust people that have had real life experience. I feel like this is going to be a super valuable training, not just fluff, because I know that she, you know, went from ho-hem hell and to, you know, wanted to take her life. So go ahead and check that out, that free video training. There's a link in the show notes. Also, for our GFR Squad membership, and if, you're, if you've been wanting to check that out, it's gfr.life, L-I-F-E, forward, forward slash squad, to join us um, in our membership community so that you can have access to one of the many benefits is the bonus segments that our guests create with me. And this time, uh, Diane talks about from concept to QVC, which is her invention story of her cool product, the Spifter. <laughs> so if you want to know what that is, and I guess you could Google it. And then if you want to know about her journey, go ahead and join us over at the squad. It's, it's super low level investment, but it does give you some skin in the game so that you can you know, tell the universe I mean business and you want to GFR and you want to be with us on our monthly community confession calls and in our closed membership only Facebook group. And then you get access to all of the cool bonus trainings that we have from all of our guests. So I hope you'll join us over there. And also make sure if you haven't grabbed your, at least at minimum, (laughs) grab your 
copy of the 12 GFR commandments. Diane's was number seven, trust yourself, trust your gut. And uh, such good stuff. We also have some um, deeper training on it if you're a GFR squad member. But at the very minimum, go ahead and grab your copy so you have the fun roadmap for getting real at gfr.life forward slash 12C, one, two, and the letter C for your 12 GFR commandments. And until next time, keep it real.